This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Your suffering will be legendary even in hell. Give me back my It's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all they're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, Here at the Cinema Degeneration Network, we are bringing you a variety of shows dedicated to specific genres or topics that are near and dear to us. I am your mistress of ceremonies. First name Ruby, final name the Hellcat. I'm here to help guide you through the trenches and lead you astray. Oh, I meant along. Your ever-present host at Cinema Degeneration will be Cameron Scott. Cameron is a filmmaker and a jack-of-all-trades on a film set. He has been credited as a writer, producer, director, actor, and occasional caterer, but first and foremost, he is a huge fan of these films. Horror, zombies, ghouls, ghosts, goblins, creatures and beasts, slashers, cannibals, and crazy psychos. He digs them all. As a fan and filmmaker, Cameron aims for these podcasts to reflect not only the films and filmmakers, but also the memories and the love that these films bring to the fans. Every week, he'll be inviting a co-host and they'll discuss and reflect about a movie of our choosing. The conversations about these beloved macabre films are meant to be free-flowing and sometimes lead from topic to topic movie to movie, and memory to memory. So kick back, grab yourself some popcorn, and enjoy the ride here at Cinema Degeneration. A massive monster menaces the world. Threatening the most intimate terror a woman ever felt because of an experimenter with life. The incredible two-headed transplant. Who are you? I'm your brother. You and I are now one, dummy.
was killed up there in the loop last night. A couple of kids claim they uh, saw a giant with two heads to it. No woman is safe from his deadly embrace. No man is safe from his killer lust. Folks, welcome to Cinema Degeneration. This is the pilot episode of. We're uh, starting off with quite a doozy. We're starting off with a little grindhouse pizzeria action. As a segment that we're doing where we talk grindhouse exploitation cult films of the 60s, 70s, and 80s mainly. I am your host, Cameron Scott. Uh, I am a fan of such films. I'm a fan of all sort of films, uh, mainly cult horror, sci-fi independent films and my co-host with me today is tom commissar of hmm films he's also a writer and a director and actor and uh tell us a little bit about yourself since i've i've already done it i guess <laughs> oh yeah the pilot episode i'm on the pilot yeah this is good stuff let's see Cam, if this I makes it past to... pilot <laughs> yeah let's see what yeah let's see this, the, the pilot and the final episode no, with the a, first and the I, last. Uh, it's kind of like the first and the last thing. <laughs> uh, no, man, I'm a, I love this idea for a show, man. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, I'm a lifelong horror fan. You know, I was that little kid who, in the 70s, with the little black and white TV, staying up late when you're not supposed to, watching the, all the old Japanese monster movies and whatever else you could find, anything sci-fi and horror and and uh so you know this is uh you know talking about these movies is great that's what i like about grind uh grindhouse type stuff and exploitation you know uh same thing with you know you and any fan of this uh genre is uh you know just the the feeling especially when you're you know we've seen so many movies sometimes you get a little bit jaded but when you first saw a lot of these things uh, you know, they were the kind of movies that you shouldn't have been watching. You know what I mean? Like you. Oh yeah, you, they you always felt like there's, <laughs> there's a little bit of uh, sleaziness to them. You know, there's that idea that you might get in trouble if somebody, right. like your parents or your grandparents or your guardians, found out you're watching them. I'd always uh, s- sneak into the living room after my parents had went to sleep and be like watching, you know, Spectrovision or on TV or one of those old cable networks, right. watching. Yeah. C- Cinemax and Showtime and watching movies that I know I shouldn't have been that I had no business watching at my age, but it, it I cultivated a, a, a mass of knowledge of uh, <laughs> d- dirty films, I guess you could call them. Uh, you know yeah. the exploitation well, grindhouse well, genre. You know when you're you're a teen or a preteen, you know it's always don't watch that; it'll warp your mind. And I always saw it as I I, I want to warp my mind a little bit. Let me. Well, watch. Well, that was it, because you were being naughty, and you knew you were being naughty, you know, you were staying up late, you know, and you are sneaking it, you know, it wasn't like, yeah, you know, go watch TV, and it was like, you know, the, this is the stuff you weren't supposed to watch, and that's why it made it fun, because these weren't, it wasn't cartoons, you know, this is the bad stuff, this is the stuff that, you know, 
you shouldn't be doing this. And then you, I better not catch you watching this stuff. But my dad, you know, my dad always like, you know, he always had the TV on late at night and he'd fall asleep in his chair and we'd end up just watching whatever we wanted because we were on the weekends. We could stay up late. But my mom loved like horror movies and she would read true detective magazine and, you know, like, you know, the, all that stuff. So she liked that kind of salacious kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember uh, when I was real little, my mom would love to watch t- movies at night in the dark. She would sit in the living room and she'd watch, you, you know, uh, all this stuff. And, and I remember my early, real early memory of having this shit scared out of me was the weekend back then in the 70s. They'd have like the featured movie of the week on Channel 7 or whatever, you know, and they would have and they would play like a movie that they'd play it like Friday and Saturday night or Saturday and Sunday night or whatever. And then you got to see it, you know. And and uh, the first movie that really, really scared the crap out of me. And my mom was, you know, like, sit down, let's watch this movie. It's Alfred Hitchcock. She loved Alfred Hitchcock. Was The Birds. I mean, when oh, I yeah. saw The Birds. And I remember that scene. They had an edited and, and, and a, a version that like they played. And then a later version at night, they had the one where, you, like, the old man with the eyes. His eyes were yeah, picked yeah. Yeah, when his eyes got picked out <laughs> or picked out. But but back then, I mean, I was so fucking freaked out. I mean, like, that scared the shit out of me. I remember going to, it was just that kind of thing where it really left, you know, after you watched it, you, like, it left an impression on you, like, you, when you're in your bed or even the next day you thought about it, you know? It was like, it was this thing that stuck with you, like, yeah. like it was you think still about it and then a cold yeah, shiver would run down your spine. <laughs> Right, you didn't just turn the TV off and everything's fine. Like it lingered on you, like an, you know, and like it had, and you, you just it kept it, it was in your mind like all day. At least me as a little kid, and that's what I loved about that stuff back then, having the opportunities to see those, um, just stuff like that. Even you know, with my mom, or even my mom, we'd, we'd go to the drive-in and see like uh, you know, like some horror movies and stuff like that. She it wasn't always that, but she liked kind of the cool rough movies too you know we'd go see one of those biker movies or something you know that were out back then and and uh you know or we'd see the you know we'd see you know butch cassidy and the sundance kid or something but i mean we'd always we'd always seeing you know she we'd stop at uh and you know she'd get like some some takeout food and we'd go there in our pajamas (laughs) you know that sounds a lot like what uh, me and my mom would do we'd we'd always pick this we'd always end up going to the 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 theater with some uh, f- food hidden in our jackets, well, some take Taco Bell or Burger King, and just, and just like yeah. we had the old station wagon, and we'd go to the drive-in, you know, and we'd sit there, and it was cool. We'd could just be in the back, we'd peek over the seats and watch the movie, and the seat folded down, and you know, we'd have our blankets and pillow, and you know, we'd watch. You know, that was my introduction to getting White Castles for the first time. Was at the drive-in. I remember that uh, getting White Castles for the first time was at the YMW drive-in and we saw it was a it was a triple feature and I do remember that it was Evil Dead 2 and Nightmare on Elm Street 3 but I don't remember what the third movie was it was something like it might have been like Return to Horror High or, or like Bud the Chud or fucking something I can't remember but uh yeah it's the good old days well, remember back then, I don't know, if, but I remember when I, when I used to go with my cousin Bobby and that, because he was a couple years older than us, he had a car, and we'd go with me and Bobby and like my, my brother Dave, my younger brother, and we'd go to the movies all the time. And we a lot of these times, you'd have a triple feature, and you'd be there like way late. You know, you'd be sitting there, you get the uh, you get that old funky 
uh, oh, Space Age Pizza. Space Age Pizza. And you go to uh, I remember those. I remember hearing about those. We'd actually eat them. You know, they're just a cheese pizza and this shitty pizza, but it was really good. With but the you know, spray paint on oh, its I, sauce. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. Real tangy, you know, just, you know, was, the cheese all like we, you know, you let it sit for a little oh, bit. Oh, it was so it bad. Was <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that was a, that was a cool thing about it. But again, it goes back to the grindhouse thing with these movies. You know, we'd see shit. You know, you'd be sitting there at the drive-in or, or just, you know, or whatever, you know, a regular walk-in theater. But you'd see these movies and, and uh, you know, they were just exciting, you know, because they were just it's like, it, it didn't matter if it was kind of a shitty movie. It was just exciting just because the outrageous stuff that happened in them, you know. Well, and, I was know, I was speaking to my mo- mother about this. Uh, I, I, was, I asked her, I go, do you remember seeing the incredible two headed transplant at theaters when it came out in 71 or 72, whenever it came out. I'm, actually, I, I got it brought up right here. 71. Yeah, 70, yeah. She's like, yeah. She's like, I remember seeing it at the drive in. She's like, it double billed with cannibal girls. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. I, so as I was poking around like for information and some, you know, IMDb stuff and trivia that I might not already know since I know a little bit about the film. It, one of the trivia things was that when it was released, it was double billed with cannibal girls, girls, the cannibal girls. <laughs> That's so, so cool. What, what a what a hell of a double bill. And I was just like, Mom, how do you remember that stuff? She's like, I don't know. She's like, she's like, I'm like you say, you know, I, I don't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday, but I can remember where I saw a movie 30, you know, 40, 50 years ago. Not on the same way. I, I hear you. I know I'm exactly. You know, what's well, cool about that movie in particular is uh it, yeah it did come out in 71 i didn't see it at a theater i was you know <clears throat> 71 when it came out i was i think what seven years old or something like that um but i did i did see it in the 70s on late night tv never heard of it it was just one of those you know you put on your favorite horror you know show that was going to show a movie and I, or just any, you know, not, not necessarily with a horror host, but just, you know, they're going to show a horror movie. They're going to show something scary. And I remember sitting in my room and that movie came on and I could still, re- <laughs> I had this whole little black and white, you know, with the, with the antenna, you know, uh, the hanger <laughs> yep. in for the antenna and foil and whatever you can get, you know, <laughs> the station on the little, the little rabbit ears. Right. Exactly. And, uh, I remember that came on. I'm like, oh my god, what is this? And I knew I was gonna dig it just because the the title, and just the way it starts. And I'm like, oh my god! And I just, and I've loved that movie ever since. And I don't remember what year it was. I know, I know, I was a kid, and so it was probably mid '70s when it made the TV. It came out '71, so it was probably a couple years before it came to TV. Yeah, it was probably what about '75, give or take. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess somewhere in that neighborhood. I remember I was still a kid and. And sitting there watching that, and I, I just re- I remember, it, like when you brought up, hey, let's do incredible two headed uh, transplant as the first one. I was like, oh my god, the, yes, that what a perfect movie to do. Yeah, I, it's that, one of the perfect really one of films. Of well, it's a perfect film if you're doing uh, the you know films of the ilk of exploitation and Grindhouse. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's got it all. You know. Yeah. Well, speaking of, let's get into the, the actual meat and potatoes of the film. We'll do All a right. little uh, summary here for those of you who haven't seen it. It's been out for almost 50 years, so we're going for full disclosure <laughs> and uh, spoiler-rific. Right. We, we <laughs> spoiler. 
We are not no spoiler free here. If you haven't no. seen it, if the movie's older than I am and you haven't seen it yet, then you're you're at, you're at the wrong podcast if if you're if you're here and haven't seen it. And if you haven't seen it and it, you've just missed it, I apologize for spoiling everything you're about to hear. Yes, yeah. but you'll see it anyway. Yeah. All right. <laughs> the Incredible Two-Headed Transplant, 1972 or 1971, 1971. Dr. Roger Gerard is a rich scientist conducting experiments on head transplantation. His caretaker has a son, Danny who, although fully grown, has the mind of a child. One day, an escaped psycho killer invades his home, killing Danny's father before being gunned down himself. With the maniac dying and Danny deeply unsettled by the father's death, Dr. Gerard decides to take the final step and transplant the killer's head onto Danny's body. Of course, things go horribly wrong, and the two-headed creature escapes to terrorize the countryside. And that's pretty fair. That's a pretty fair summary. What could go wrong? I yeah, mean, what could possibly the psycho, go wrong? The psycho rapist killer on the... On the, the, on the guy who is kind of like, you know, mice and men. <laughs> simple. The guy who's like seven foot tall, weighs a good 350 pounds, and can Big rip tree stumps out of the bare ground. Now, let's, let, let's, let's, let's also preface this by saying there's a scene before things really go wrong where Danny is helping his father, you know, they're caretakers. They're just taking care of the land. They're ranch work, workers. And they got, what, two horses on this stump trying to pull this stump out of the ground, or was it one horse? I can't remember. But, I think it was one, but yeah. But they the horse the, couldn't take one. care of it. Danny's like, Dad, let me try. He powerhouses this big-ass tree, the stump out of the ground. So turning him into a psycho killer, I can't possibly see what's going to go wrong. Not at all. <laughs> For the everybody else involved, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure everything's gonna be just fine. Speaking of, you we know, got, we got a who's who virtual who's who of character actors. You got uh, Bruce Dern as the Doctor Gerard. You got Casey Kasem as a uh, doctor. This is like a friend of his. Uh, Barry Kroger as Max, the creepiest uh, sidekick slash, uh, what do you want to call it? Um, Igor type, yeah, he's a, he's definitely an Igor type. He, he does everything but go, yes, yes, master. But actually, he does kind of do that at one point. He is pretty creepy though, but yeah, he's but he's yeah, he's definitely the the Igor the to Doctor Sherard. Uh, um, got well, John Bloom is uh, Danny, who was in uh, Dracula versus Frankenstein, uh, the original Hills Have Eyes two. Albert Cole, who is our main bad guy cast. And we can't forget uh, Pat Priest, uh, it was Marilyn Munster. I had a I had a crush on her just like <laughs> just like I had a crush on PJ Souls the first time I saw Halloween. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh Halloween. Oh my God. Okay, I yeah. know we're getting off. That's, an, that's here, another but... one, another show for another time. Yeah, you're huh? talking about PJ Souls having a crush on. I mean, of course. She's amazing, of course, and everybody loves PJ. Uh, but that movie, just real quick, I'm going to go off topic here a little bit. Not off topic, but a little story I want to share with everybody. Oh, rock on. Okay. So, the, so I'm 14 years old. I'm with my brother, Dave, my sidekick to all these movies. And uh, it, uh, so we go to uh, – now, I, was, I grew up in Canoga Park. So there was a, the Fox Theater in Canoga Park right off of Royer Avenue. And uh, – 
we, we used to walk over there all the time and see movies. And the Fallbrook Mall there, now it's all built up and everything. But at the time, it was just a little little uh, strip mall with a Woolworths in it and, you know, pretty low budge. And uh, anyway, walked over to the old Fox Theater there, which is now torn down. But uh, so back then, you didn't know all this backstory about all these movies, you know, you just, it was in the paper, you saw a little thing, you know, about, there was no internet, you know, yeah, way was back when, whatever in the, they had the movie the, in the, in the newspaper, you had like two pages of movies at all the different theaters. And I think it was just, you know, the, it just said Halloween. That was good enough for me, you know, like, Hey, you know, we're going to go to see Halloween. I mean, back then, what did we have to go off of besides a uh, poster art? Right. Poster art, or, you know, you might see, a trailer or something or might see a trailer when you're watching another movie but you know we didn't know nothing about it it was just a movie but we go to see halloween and right off the bat the minute those notes kick in and that pumpkin that jack-o'-lantern i mean you're hooked the legend you know the iconic you know intro to that movie and me and my brother my eyes were as big as golf balls and so was his that whole movie and i remember just sitting there and i remember so that I mean, that movie had it all, man. I mean, everybody in that movie was great. Well, the acting was top notch. The editing, well, everything about Halloween. That's you know, we could do another whole show on on that movie, but it's uh, you know, there's no such thing as perfection, but it's about as perfect as you get. Oh yeah, and the thing about it was cool. Is you know, once that was one of those movies too. Like once it was over and we got up, it wasn't like okay, movie's over, let's go home. It was just like. You know, it was like it really creeped that my, you know, Michael Myers. Like, you know, we've so many years of knowing about Michael Myers, you know, but back then that was the first time you ever saw him. And it was like, fuck, you know, that whole thing now is in your head. Like, who the fuck is Michael Myers? And you go out there and that mask and everything and that image is in your head. And me and my brother, now it's about dark, walking home. And we're walking through, you know, we finally get through the parking lot and we're going down the street and there's lots of trees and bushes and everything, and, you know, and, uh, you know, <laughs> oh, I, mean, I think I, I see where this I, is going. You saw I, a hedge, I, didn't you? Oh, a hedge. Oh, there's plenty of hedges. It was Michael Myers <laughs> behind every bush, dude. I mean, it was just like, oh, shit. You know, like, it just seemed like you could see stuff like you didn't see. And we were both like, just like scared. And it was like, I look back, I got dumb, you know, walking, I'm like, there's going to be Michael Myers there. But at the time, we're walking home and it was getting dark and, you know, it was creepy, you know, and it was, well, you know. Well, it left something with you. You know, you took something away from that film and you didn't just leave and like, oh, that was a good time. It, it left something residual with you. It did. I mean, even, you know, when we finally got home and, you know, and you're coming in and, you know, and now it's dark, you know, and later on and you're doing whatever we're doing and now you're in your room. You know, and stuff like that, and you know, you're, you know, now you're by yourself. <laughs> you're still thinking about the movie, and you know, it, it was. It, it that was me with Halloween too. That was me with Halloween too. There was oh, something yeah. about. I mean, they're both, you know, it's equally amazing, but there's something about Halloween too, man. Just the, <clears throat> just made me just be so uneasy about dark hallways, open oh. doorways, shadows. And any anything even resembling a hospital. <laughs> oh my God, yeah, that those that it's, that movie does that to you too, the hospital thing. But that's the thing you're talking about, like dark hallways or open doorways, like like. But, but at that point, everybody did know who Michael Myers was. There's not that moment with like you know with part one where you're being introduced to him. Once, once you know part two, obviously you know he was you know well known at that time. 
it was that thing like you're talking about, like you know, being you know when you're in reality, how it plays, it keeps it stays with you. Like the thing at laying in bed, and like you know, there's no way you're gonna leave your closet door open, not even an inch. You know, because oh, you no. just not with the chair underneath the doorknob. <laughs> right. Oh my god, dude. It was like you think. Uh, so you know, I had a going back to my TV stories about you know watching old movies on TV. Like I always had, I like to have my TV on at night with the volume low, but I like to have the the glow of the TV. Plus, you know, I stayed up and watch movies, and that's how I saw a lot of stuff and caught it, you know. And uh, well, like going back to uh, to uh, uh, the Incredible Two Headed Transplant, you know, I remember when yeah. I that <laughs> was so because I mean it's funny, but you know, you look at the way the, they really did a good job with the two heads and making the angles work, you know, like you know well, because. You know- in retrospect, you know, when we I saw it, I was young. I know you saw it younger, too. You know, you don't pick out the scenes where it's, you know, both actors or where it's a prosthetic. You know, we can pick that out now, but we're both filmmakers, you know. We, we learn to look for those kind of shots. But they really, like, blended things really well together, you know, for a, a, a film in 1971. Well, that was the thing. that Back then, I mean, it was like, you know, people laugh about an arrow. They'll talk about it and say, "Oh, it looks so." It that looked really that two-headed beast, that man, that two-headed dudes, man was that was scary stuff. I mean, it was like he's walking around and you got the. I mean, I'm telling you right now, man. Fucking uh, Albert Cole, uh, who played Cass, he's he's the he's the psycho that escaped from uh, the mental institution. He's the bad guy in it. He's the villain. You and he's such an unrated villain. Oh my God, he is. He's so maniacal. Good. You could not find, and I know you hear that a lot, but this guy was made for that movie. It, who, if, you, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen it, I hope you go see it. When you do figure it out, find it on the internet or buy a copy or whatever. It's worth it either way, even if you got to rent it. Rent it. Oh, yeah. Bucks. It's, it's something, but... You won't regret it. In particular, um, he's, I mean, it just... The, the creep that he plays, they build it up so good because he's such a scumbag. You know, that look on his face, like, eh, eh. you know, he's such a sex maniac. Now, just real quick, there's even, it's all applied. Like, he doesn't really do anything. He's more of a psychotic maniac that likes to kill, kill. He likes to right. kill. So it's, it's not, not very graphic. I mean, the, the violence right. isn't very graphic. graphic. There are no. no actual rape scenes. It's all right. very implied. Right, like you'll right. It's nothing. It's nothing that crazy, other than the fact that they build him up to be such a psycho fuck. You're like, oh my god, if I saw this guy, I'd freak out in real life, you know, because it's the looks on his oh, face. Yeah. It'd be like running into Charlie Manson. He's kind of that, right. that kind of yeah. crazy in the eyes. And actually, that's what he reminds me of, just a little bit, just a little bit. That crazy look. It's the look in his right. eye, and even the thing he does with his tongue, like when he sees what, because you know he can control. Yeah. He does do that okay, weird tongue thing. When he wakes, when he wakes up and he realizes he his head has been transplanted onto this big simpleton, and he's like, and he tells the face guy, I don't remember the exact line, but it's like, I'm running this show now. You know, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, something like that. I'm running things around here. You see? Yeah, yeah. All right, and and the guys, and then poor Danny, he's like, who are you? He's like, <laughs> I'm your brother. You know, and it's so funny. It's well, just, you know, and the last thing that Danny knew before, you know, the good doctor knocked him out. And let's 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 segue over here to, for one moment. 
the doctor, Bruce Dern, that one of yeah. the main characters of the, the show. It, everything pretty much takes place at his house. He's got a lab in his basement, and he's doing transplantation experiments on animals. He's done snakes. Yeah. He's done rabbits. He did a, what, a monkey and whatnot. And yeah. which comes up with the best line. This is, I, I got a segue once more into another one. The best line is when the the monkey that they're experimenting on that has the new head dies. They do some experiments and found out that his heart had given up on him and it wasn't the head transplant. And the best line in, of, of this fucking movie is, if this little guy had been healthy, he'd still be alive. The absurdity is like, yeah, that's everything. That's everybody. If they were still healthy, they'd be alive. He would be alive, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, uh, getting back to, to the cast, the cast character, he's an escape convict. He ends up at uh, uh, the, the the ranch, you know, their their, their, their house, and then uh, where they're doing the experiments. And he kills uh, Danny's father, subdues and ties up Bruce Dern, escapes with Pat Priest, you know, and there's big chase. Well, you know, the, the doctor shoots him, you know, and then that's when he puts his head on, on Danny's body. And that's when the things take a real wicked turn because you think like the doctor's doing a good thing. He's creepy. Yeah. He's a little weird. He's doing these experiments. He's neglecting his wife, but then it's like, okay, he's, he's going to do the right thing. No, he doesn't do the right thing. He sews a maniac's head onto Simpleton's body and creates a, 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 a freaking monster, which if well, he didn't do that, we wouldn't have a movie. Well, remember now, Max, his assistant, the older guy that's creepy, is is his Igor. Igor he's got too, like, you know? deformed, he's got deformed hands that he wears like these cotton gloves. You don't see his hands, but they got him made, and they're all knobby and gnarly. And uh, and it's basically from his uh, uh, goading or or pursuing the the fact is that because because um, Bruce Turn, Doctor Gerard, yeah, he does push the point. He pushes do it. Well, he I, he's got his own motives. Max wants to see if this will work with human heads because you know he basically he wants at some point to get a body where he could put his head on, have a new body, and his hands because he wants to go back to what he used to be as a doctor. He he used to be really good, but his yeah, he was a, he was like a master surgeon or something yeah. like that, and you know oh. now his hands were useless. Right, so he's got his own ulterior motive, and he kind of pushes like Bruce Stern. Dr. Gerard, you know, he's kind of got a little doubts at first. Like, you know, I don't know. I don't know if we should go, you know. And uh, Max, you know, talks him into it. And, of course, you know, he, res goes, hey, he resists a bit, but he doesn't res He doesn't need too much goading into no, getting he to, to do this. He, wants he to didn't do really this. have to twist his arm behind his back. Yeah, he, yeah, exactly. He didn't. <laughs> I want to talk to you. We were talking about casting. What I'm telling you, okay, two things here. Pat Priest. Uh, oh, by the way, she's Linda. Her, her, her name's Linda in this. That's right. Oh, that's, so, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, Linda P. Souls, Linda, and then Linda. Uh, here, Pat Priest is so beautiful. She's, I mean, she, she's so cool in this movie, and she's just so innocent. And she, you just like, it's like, oh my she god. She just wants to be loved by her husband. That's really all she wants. She just wants her husband to pay some attention to her. Poor right. fucking woman. Right, and then of course you know she gets. She really gets, uh, you know, knocked around in this movie because, you know, just that. that like, oh, you my know, God. Poor Pat Priest. Her. She gets manhandled left and right. Oh, yeah. I mean, she I'm talking about just on 
for what she had to go through, just even just acting in this thing, man, she really had to put up with a lot of crap. I mean, you know, about and it was first. a totally different kind of role than I really only know her as Marilyn Munster. That's really right. what I know her from. And it was a totally different kind of role. Her character is just, it's just, it's really, it's just, it's awesome. She's, she's great. But yeah, she's, the, I mean, as far as like acting goes, she's the, the standout of the movie. She's the most professional, at least the most on it. Her and Bruce Dern, you know, he, he plays creepy well. I got to hand it to one person, though, man. And you wouldn't think so by reading the back of the thing. You're going, Casey Kasem. But Casey Kasem, he plays Dr. Ken Anderson. And he's like a friend of Dr. Gerard's. He's a friend of the family. You know, he knows. You know, he's friends with Linda, you know, Papri's her character, and, you know, uh, Dr. Gerard's wife. So they're, they're friends and all that, and he kind of makes it appearances. And, you know, some of his stuff they make him do is kind of cornball. Like, uh, you know, well, like, like when he's at the, the uh, couple of the various crime scenes. Like, <laughs> she's had every bone in her body broken. I was like, no, she hasn't. Let's explain that, because you got to get, especially a movie back in that time, you got to get who's the bad guys in movies back then, too, bikers right so you know yeah yeah you gotta have cool. bad guys for your bad guy to even fight and who was the bad guys bikers so here you got you got the uh the two-headed uh the incredible two-headed transplant wandering around you know out in the open wilderness there you know through canyons and forest and just you know causing all kinds of mayhem and they come across this camp where they've got um where they've got uh, three bikers, like the 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 girl biker, she's making breakfast. It's like first thing in the morning, and then the two guys, and of course they're like you know like you know exactly what you think like a pothead would be back in the way they try to portray him. And they're like, oh man, oh wow, oh, let's have, let me burn another one. Yeah, they're like extras yeah. from a fucking uh, Reaper Madness. Oh yeah, it's 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 terrible. I mean, it's it's so dumb, but it's funny. And uh, so of course the one guy. <clears throat> he gets pissed about something. He tears off on his bike. And then uh, the big guy comes back on the bike for some reason, like really quick. And then they have the big chain fight. And then uh, he loses. And then the girl, unfortunately, she starts running. She's standing there forever, not doing anything. The, and then she waits the, the last thing. The biker running. mama ever. She didn't do anything to help her to biker dudes. Like, she did like even throw a rock at So she's. They're chasing her. Uh, the the two headed creatures chasing her, and then he finally catches up to her, her and kills her. Now that leads up to what you're saying about Doctor Anderson, Casey. <laughs> so funny because Casey, at some point in the movie, the sheriff he's talking to them, and they and they find out he's a doctor, and then they ask him to you know, and so he comes to the crime scene, and she's just basically laying down at the riverside, face down. There's nothing wrong with her. You could tell she's she, laying on the riverbank. She's laying face down on the ground. Face down, like, okay, they, you know, lay down here. We're going to film this. And so she's there. <laughs> and you did the line pretty good. So the, so they're trying to find out, what do you think, doctor? Like, they want a doctor's opinion, you know. And the sheriff and his, and his deputies are all kind of standing around, kind of stupefied. And so, you know, they're waiting for the professional with his opinion. And then he, he feels, yeah, he feels her neck for a pulse. That's it. That's it. That's all he does. To, you know, that's his examination. Dude, she's obviously dead. And then he says, "She's had every damn bone in her body broken." <laughs> That's like, there's know, something to that effect. I might be a word off, but it's just it's so something like ridiculous. that. Just every bone in her body broken. You know, like you just think this 
Like she just be should be torn apart. She's just laying there like well, yeah, like you know, not like she's laying face down pretending to to not breathe, so she doesn't look. You know, she looks like she's asleep or or, or dead. I mean, you know, <laughs> it'd be different it's, if like one arm was twisted and the leg was bent at an odd angle, and you know, maybe her, you know, her, her front side was on her backside, her neck was yeah. you know something. But they just <laughs> like listen, we 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 got to wing this. Just lay down, play dead. Right, like it's almost like you know, like. Like at least bend her legs and her arms different angles, like make her look like she's all fucked up, you know. And uh, uh, oh, but okay, now that we're talking about the victims, we gotta can't forget the other victims, and that was the when they come upon the two cars that are full of two teenagers couples. They're they're making out, they're necking. Yeah, and they we come get into some the more first of that weird weird cast tongue action going on again. And, and you got the cool. <laughs> the cool music which we'll get into in a second and so they're coming up to the car and like i guess the first car that they didn't do anything and they're just kind of like kissing like oh i think i hear something and then the second car they go to and it's got a convertible top so cast the he smashes the hand down in there and they drag the girl up through the thing it's like ah and so now the funniest yeah. thing is he's strangling her and again it's not too graphic it's just more corny than anything else He's strangling this poor girl, and then the car in front with the two teenagers that <clears throat> didn't get killed. It's so funny they pop up, and the, it, if you see this movie or if you remember this part, the boy, the teenage boy, is the funniest. He's got the most disinterested look. Like I know like, he almost looked annoyed. Like it was just like you, yeah, like a, like you told him to go mow the lawn. You know what I mean? It's like he's got that look on his face. <laughs> Like his dad told him to go, you know, take the garbage out or something, or anybody, somebody's getting murdered <laughs> behind you by a two-headed creature, not just an odd guy. That's in plain view. That's in pretty much plain view. You know, there's, there's nothing obstructing what he's seeing. Right, and and you know, of course, it's just funny. It's just one of those things that those movies are good. It's the ridiculousness of it. I was going to say, speaking of ridiculous, I had a little uh, bit of trivia here. This movie was shot in six days. Even yeah. back then for shooting on film, six days. I didn't, I didn't know that until recently. Uh, I think I you were telling me about it when we were kind of talking about it. But yeah, I didn't yeah. know six days, man. I was like, yes. You know, but they did a lot with their locations, you know, coming from that angle now. You know, like they, they did a lot with the house. You know, they had a lot of cool stuff with that. And then the surrounding area. If you know, I'm assuming it was right in that area. You know, they did a lot with, um, you know, with the, you know, the woods, the the trees, yeah, with the area. woods, the the, the countryside. Trail. You know, the, all the country roads and the, the the lakeside and everything. I'd be willing to bet they had somebody that owned that ranch house with all the property and was just like, listen, you can film everything here. You know, virtually right. everything can be filmed on the the one location because let's face it, as an indie filmmaker. That that's key. If you lose too much time oh, traveling back and forth to locations, that's just eating up money. That's what I love about that, like if, when you watch the movie, there's a lot going on. You know, right? It's I mean, there's a lot going on between the lab and the escapes and the psycho. And, well, the the, the the various murders at different locations. You got the the, the cave, not the cave, but the mine. Yeah, the right, the mine stuff inside the mine. There's a you know backstory about that and all that, and and it's like and then they shot that in six days. That's like that's 
that's really good. Because, you know, they didn't have, you yeah. know, just like, you know, they it was low budget like anything else. You know, and they're shooting it on, you know, film and everything. And they got to do all that and the old school type stuff with all the setups and everything. But they, they got it done in six days. And, and it, it's it's a it's really it's a good movie, man. I mean, it's a it's a and low budget of, house movie. Something but you had mentioned before briefly was the music. The music is not not like not really good music. It's not a great right. score, but it's extremely effective. It makes you at various times the the weird kind of twangy seventies guitar makes you feel very uncomfortable. At least it did for me. They've got two things that play really well. They've got this guitar that's really dissonant. And it's like, and it's like this weird kind of like chordings and like weird stuff. It's more, yeah, it's not like playing. It's more just making sounds that sound, that make it put you on edge. And then right. I really love the bass. They got this bass line goes boom, 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 boom. Boom, 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 and it's like, and that's like the thing, like that's the that's the like the sharks coming notes. It's like you know yeah. you hear the boom, that's boom. like the and notes it, from Jaws, you know, and you're like you you know troubles on the way. So you know the creature, this two-headed maniacs coming to the, you know, and like they play that bass, you know, those bass notes by itself, and then they and then they start adding the guitar. Yeah, very. Un is this is an unsettling soundtrack. It's very effective yeah. that way. Yeah, very effective. And it's like, that's something that, you know, whoever did it, you know, they sat down and just, whoever just thought of the stuff, but, you know, it was it like, it wasn't like some big orchestra or anything or all kinds of stuff going on. It was, you know, a guitar, a bass, you know, and, and, and just, you know, some cool progressions on them that, that made that. And it was, and they used it really effectively. Well, that the and movie. the strange, editing style like as it would transfer from scene to scene it had a very cho choppy it didn't just cut from one scene to the next you'd get a glimpse like okay you know here's everything's normal on the ranch you get a quick shot of the psychopath strangling somebody then it goes back to the ranch for a few right. more seconds then it cuts back to that, that that craziness happening off off you know off uh, location and then it completely cuts back you know kind of chops in and out it was very i've never really seen much of an editing style like that before no. i mean i've seen it on a few films but not very many it would give you a quick little blast of this tone you know when they did that quick edit and again it's more tones than it is playing notes to a song it's very <laughs> very strange it's, it's hard to to describe actually when you see it Anybody listening to this and who hasn't seen it, and you see it, when you see it, you're gonna go, "Oh, yeah, right." That's what they were talking about. I mean, that's you're gonna notice it because it's really good, <clears throat> a viewing pleasure. You know, it's like you're watching it, and you're going, "Oh, yeah, all right, that's cool." You know, it's 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 fun. But overall, I think we can probably sum this up here. Uh, overall, it's 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 a what you would call an atypical. 70s grindhouse film it has a little bit of hammy acting a little bit of a crazy implausible storyline the eccentric music eccentric kind of editing style everything that you know a a grindhouse drive-in double feature film is supposed to have but it was never too graphic 
it, it never, you know, it, it alluded to a lot more than it showed. It was a creepy story, lots of weird shit going on, and it had a lot of it had, the creep factor was there, but yeah, it didn't go. It didn't get anything where you went, you know. No one did that. It was just. It was just. It was just well done. It was I mean, good- it could darn near be passed for PG thirteen. I agree. Or PG. Right. But that I doesn't hurt it. It doesn't hurt it a single bit. I, at least I don't. Not I don't. At all. That. Not at all. Uh, you know. Um, I honestly, <clears throat> I don't remember exactly the way it was edited when I saw it on TV, but when I see it now and then thinking about back then, that stuff I remember from back then, I don't know if they even like cut a bunch of stuff out like they would have if it was like one of those things where it had nudity or worse or like maybe violence it was a little bit too over the top. I think they probably just showed it like it was, you know what I mean? And Yeah, I don't think other than a few curse words that wouldn't be allowed on TV right. back in the day, there's really nothing, you know, that that's really graphic. It's actually semi-tame for the kind of material that uh, we like here, you know. And it's an AIP release. It's an American International Pictures release, you know, and, and they, you know, had released some pretty uh, racy stuff back in the day. Well, I honestly, I think, uh, again, this goes back to one of those things where, you know, I've, I've, you know, we've watched a bunch of million movies and this is one of those little nuggets that is just like probably maybe because I saw it when I was a kid and I remember it and I remember the effect on me. But this is one of those movies um, that I remember and I remember and I liked it a lot and I still do. It's, it's got you know, it's, and so if you it's always see, fun to re- revisit and, and, and especially to talk about, you know, and the little <laughs> me, me think me words <laughs> on, on that note on me think me words here, since I'm running out of things to say, uh, let's give our final thoughts and rating on a scale from one to 10. Since you are my first guest on my first show, I'll let you go first, Tom. I think it's got everything that type of movie, a grindhouse movie, needs. Um, I think it hits all the notes. Um, you know, you could sit here and pick it apart and go, ah, this, that, this, that. But, hey, you know what? You don't watch movies like this to, like, get like that. You want to watch, you know, the perfect movie, then go find it. This movie is, if you like these kind of movies, then you're going to love this movie, in my opinion. And if you haven't seen it, uh, go out and see it. And... Uh, my and, and on my scale, I'm gonna give it uh, from one to ten. I'm gonna give it a strong nine. You know, I think it's uh, you know, I mean, I could give it a ten, but I'll give it a nine. And uh, I think uh, I think it's a great movie. And <clears throat> I would say to anybody listening to this, go see it. You know, you you know, get on there, get online. It's out there. See it and yeah, you know, it's an, it's think, an easy one to find on DVD. Um, I have the DVD, and there's actually a cool little. Uh, they've got the riff tracks on there where you can watch that show, but they've got oh, the, nice. uh, it's just pretty funny. I can watch that. But uh, they've also got a little documentary with James Gordon White who wrote it. And it's pretty cool. He, he if you look him up, he's done a lot of movies like that. And that was, it, he tells a story of how that movie came about and how it got made. It's not really long, but it's a cool little extra feature. You get to, you nice. know, I might have to seek and, that out. Yeah. You're going to want to see that. It's, it's cool. So, but, uh, yeah, that's how I feel about the movie. I think it's one of my faves, and uh, check it out, folks. 
I'd have to agree with just about everything you said. You know, it's is it the ultimate grindhouse exploitation film? No, but God, it's it's in the top. Uh, I like it that much. <laughs> it was always oh. I I remember seeing it. It was on a late night movie screening. It was on Saturday Saturday night. I don't remember if it was a horror host. It might have been Sven Gulli, uh at the time right. or somebody else. But I remember seeing it late. I remember seeing it on my own, and uh, I was I was I was home home alone actually. Uh, you know, a latchkey kid watching this film for the first time, and it just struck me. You know, the the idea of uh, someone sewing a crazy man's head onto your body. It was just so right. ridiculous at the time. It so was so <laughs> wild, and it's one of the films that got me into the whole like uh, exploitation kind of genre, you know, and whatnot. Um, I don't know that I can rate it quite as high and give it a nine. Um, I'm coming in at an eight, which I feel is pretty solid. Uh, I very, so. very few yeah, films eight. for me get a full 10. Those are reserved for some of the big boys. Right. But, uh, th this may not be one of the heavyweights, but it's definitely a contender. I agree. I couldn't agree with you more, my friend. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, we, 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 uh, we subletted some space to Halloween folks for tonight. Let's see. That's the thing about it, though. It's not just talking about a movie. It's talking about about the 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 way those movies make you feel. That's what's great. About Sometimes these some movies make you reminisce about other films. You know, whether it's a similar actor or a similar storyline or just something that's just like you know, because this musical note right here at minute thirty-seven made me think of this film. Sometimes right. it's the littlest of things, and that's what it's about. You know, and that's what this show's about. Is Movies and movie memories. Right, exactly. And that, that's great. And we picked a good movie for the pilot episode. This was a lot of fun, Cameron. All right. Well, you have a good evening or a good afternoon, sir. And I bid you a fond farewell. Uh, you too, my friend. We'll see you soon. And uh, folks, thanks for listening. Hope you had a good time. And uh, we'll see you again. All the real things we can't admit Bottle.